Philly, you are so wonderful and interesting. You deserve a local news podcast all your own. Check out the John Cast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. It's just a good conversation with somebody that you didn't know you were interested in. I'm Matt Leon, and this is One on One. The ball was hit the deep left. The coolest part of it was standing back to watch it. I think I still have the picture of the girls all huddled in one pile, all together. It To have 15 players in that tight of a circle at the pitcher's mound and to stand back and watch it was amazing. And knowing we brought that back to the college, uh, finally, for college softball. And our guest this week is Steve DePasquale. He is the head softball coach at RCSJ, who uh, recently won his 800th game, one of the top softball coaches going. And uh, first of all, Coach, thanks so much for the time. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. So let's start with uh, a milestone win. As we're talking, a couple of weeks ago, you picked up number 800. Uh, What does a milestone like that mean to you? I think one of the things that means I, I guess I've been around a long time, um, but it's for me, it's special to think uh, of the girls that have gone through our program in my 28 years, how many amazing kids I've had from this this area um, in South Jersey. And now that's actually expanding. Also lucky enough to have uh, one of the players on that team this year whose mom played with me on the first to get the first win. So that was that was pretty special. How did you deal with a milestone like this? What I mean like that is. I talk to a lot of coaches and players when they hit these types of milestones that you kind of know are coming. You know you're going to hit it. It's just a matter of of when. Uh, does it wear on you at all? Like, do you hit a point where you just like kind of want to get it, celebrate it, and then kind of put it in the rearview mirror? I can tell you, I tried to keep it as quiet and uh, as non-eventful as possible. I didn't want it to be have any effect on my team at all. I didn't want them to think about it. They have enough pressure doing their own thing already. So I didn't want that number to be uh, their stress. And it is. You, you really do want to get by that and get to, I want to say, the next 0-1, if you will, and, and and go on to the next next win, next game. Yep. So let's talk a little bit about your story growing up. Were sports a huge part of your life growing up in South Jersey? Uh, very much. Very tied. I, I played high school um, sports at Williamstown High School. Uh, coached, I've coached in the area. I coached at Glassboro with football, basketball, uh, before coming over to what was then GCC to, to coach. What was your favorite sport growing up? Or were you a kid that played whatever was kind of going on in the neighborhood? I, yeah, I, I'd play everything. I think stickball was probably the most fun. Um, but as far as, as playing, I think football and baseball, I, I, I liked them equally as well. But I found a love for softball when probably my daughters came into play and got coaching them, and it's just an amazing game. Was coaching always something that was kind of on your radar? Uh, I don't know that it really was until I became it. I I got into education and had that opportunity. Always, I mean, I was always coached. I was always uh, involved in sports. But when I became an educator, it allowed me the time to coach. And then I found something between the two, between education. Uh, and coaching that I really loved what I did. How long did it find you? Because you coached other sports other than softball, as you mentioned. How long did it find you to kind of find your pace just in coaching and, you know, getting the information? You talk about the background in education, and there is obviously a, a lot of overlap. 
But how long did it find did it take you to get comfortable just with coaching? Coaching, I think I had a, a lot of good help along the way, but probably took about four or five years just to understand coaching in general. Uh, probably took me, and I, I coached about nine years before I actually took on softball. Um, and then I overlapped a couple of years early, but probably about four or five years into that softball also to get that field down because I transitioned from high school athletes to college athletes. So a high school student to an adult is, is a little bit different world. You talk about softball with your daughters. Did you have any prior to them? Did you have any knowledge of the sport other than just kind of the basic similar to baseball stuff like that? Uh, probably most most of that. Absolutely. Because I coached baseball also for a little bit. Um, and then I was able to coach them when they were little in our town in softball. So I got involved with when they were small before I even got to the college level. How did the opportunity at RCSJ, like you said, it was Gloucester County College uh, when you come on board. How'd that come about, you coming on board there? Well, I was teaching it and still teach at GCIT uh, next door to the college. Happened to see an ad in the paper for they were looking for a head coach. Uh, and one of the other educators with me, Ted Marshall, who was my first assistant coach, we reached out to Ron Case at the college. And in December, uh, one afternoon, came over and interviewed and took a shot. And I think uh, it, it's taken off from there. And you you were the first coach, am I correct? Yes, first and pretty much only, only. head coach so far. Yep. So when you come on board, you know, at a, at a two-year school – and you're building kind of where did you start? <laughs> that's that's unique because uh, Ted and I hired in December. So we had no recruit recruiting class. Sorry for that um, in place. So we set up some TVs with softball videos going, uh, go running. And we had tables set up in the student center and we just let students walk by us and see who was in the school and we were lucky enough then to get a group of girls who were in the school who were from a championship team out of Clearview. So we had three or four of those girls uh, and then a pitcher who'd been at Paul six, who was very good there stop. And then we picked up two women in their thirties. Uh, <laughs> so we slowly built, we actually started with nine. And before you know it, we had uh, I think 11 or 12 that first year, but really just from recruiting in the hallway. How was that that first year just from an organization standpoint? You know, you're like you said, you're recruiting in the hallway. Uh, was there success? Was it fun? Was it frustrating? Did you know what you didn't know? Kind of walk me through that first year. It was uh, it was overwhelming because I didn't know a lot of stuff. Uh, we we really didn't have a field. There was an old field there. So we started by. You know, uh, I'm going to say kind of rototilling the field and getting the field ready uh, was by the tennis courts. Uh, didn't realize they college softball games are contracts. So, you know, there's this you have to play on this day. You have to play on that day. They were mostly double headers uh, unless you played close. And then they were one and one. Yeah, you found out a lot of things you didn't know about the the inner workings of that game. Now, as far as luck would have it again, I had a very good pitcher. Uh, we did finish 17 and 13 that year. And in that opening day, Laura Kelly threw a um, a no-hitter for us against Union County. Um, had four kids from a great program, and we just had to continue to to work and build. Was the 
you know, there's the softball, there's the, the actual coaching, and you talk about the contracts with the schedules and all. Was the kind of off-the-field stuff overwhelming at all that first year just because there's so many moving parts and things that you don't have to think about at the high school level and, and stuff? And not to mention, you don't have anybody to fall back on to say, hey, how did we do this before? Right. I, I think I had a great leader to start there and Ron Case, our athletic director then, uh, who guided us. There was some amazing coaches at that college already. Barry Davis was there, a great baseball coach who's still up at Ryder, who, you know what I mean? You were able to <clears throat> watch and almost emulate a little bit of the, the, the work and the style and the time and, you know, how much time do you put in? How much time don't you put in? I think the, the things that were unique were, we're now driving vans to games. So we're the drivers, uh, you're the statistician, you're coming home, you're calling in the newspaper. Uh, so it was more than just what it got between the lines, calling the game was handling the game was easy. Uh, all the other stuff was a little bit more work. And you mentioned, you say you had a no hitter in your first game as a coach. Is that, did I understand that correct? That is correct. So what, I mean, walking off the field after that, what are you kind of like, oh, this is easy. <laughs> well, you know what? Everybody always said in softball, it's, you know, you need that pitcher, you need that pitcher. And I said, okay, we're, we're in pretty good shape. We have a pitcher. We have a, again, the catcher on that team. Uh, Amy Kennard was fantastic. She came from that Clearview state championship group, or uh, they might've been runner-up state champions. Uh, I know they were very, very good. Uh, so I had a great battery there to start with. And I, I got other kids. I mean, I had Sue Boyle out of Washington Township, who was just amazing. So my nucleus was very, very good. What is the, what is year two like? Not, I'm not even talking so much success, but just having a year under your belt. I would imagine you can exhale a little bit. You kind of know how the sausage is made now. You've got, uh, You've got kind of precedent for decisions and, and how you do stuff. Uh, how much easier was the second year just from kind of an administrative side of coaching standpoint? I think paperwork side, it was it was easier. And now you understood, okay, here's, here's what we have to do to improve. Now you know where your holes are. Let's go out. Let's recruit. Let's, you know, take on that second part of going out and seeing players. Now where it became hard is I really had to learn the ins and outs of making sure I got a student athlete in the right direction as a student first and not as an athlete first, you know, making sure they got the right classes, the right schedule. Uh, you were going to help them get through their education, not just get through uh, a couple softball games. What, how much of a challenge is the recruiting and the piecing together of a team uh, through the window of a two year institution, as opposed to four year, is it easier, tougher, you know, how do you, you know, how much of a challenge is it kind of building that and keeping an eye on the future? Well, folks, my, my coaches that are with me now laugh at my folders because I have folders that will have 20, 25, 20, 26, where folks have you, you are nonstop reloading a team, if you will, in a two year, you know, you don't bring a freshman catcher in or shortstop in and, and mold them and get them to understand the way your team plays the game. And then no, at about that junior year, they're really going to, you know, they're really going to shine. My guys have to shine midway through that freshman year. Um, so you're always right now. And I talked to my team. I actually talked to them probably about three weeks ago for them to understand the players who are with me now. I'm not recruiting to replace you. We're just continuing to recruit. So somebody says, oh, you know, my, to my second baseman, your coach is out looking for uh, recruiting me to play second base. I'm just still recruiting because you have to 
constantly go out there and and ha- get at it, or you're going to be without players the next year. I think you said 17 wins that first year. Uh, so that's what 90. What are we, are we talking? 94. 94, I believe. Yes. 94. Uh, you get to program to the point, and we'll talk about this in a little bit. But back to back national championships in 11 and 12. Is there a point from 94 to those national championships where you start to feel like the program has really arrived, that you're more than just a good team? You are a team that can make noise on multiple levels? Uh, I'd probably say early in the 2000s for a couple of reasons. You saw players wanting to come to the program, you know, players that are on our team going out and get players, uh, wanting to play us, and another strong programs wanting to play us. You know, I think back then in the fall, we would play Stockton, Rowan University. Um, and for us to be playing those teams, even in the fall, was was pretty good. You know, before that, it was hard for us to get the extra games outside of our region, uh, our region game. So now we're playing many Division twos and things like that. And I so said probably around 2000 and then 2007 is our first trip to the uh, national tournament. What is that like, that first trip to the national tournament? Because there's nothing like, I think, you know, no matter how much success, there's nothing like kind of that first time achieving something like that. Uh, I could probably see the fly ball still in my head as clear as any other day. Uh, The young lady who caught it, Leslie Romano, uh, they called her L-Dog for us. The ball going up, we were in Middlesex uh, Community College that day, and her just going to her knees in the field and all those kids going out. Very similar to you know the first the first national championship. Tried to stay back and watch all that, but it uh, it was an amazing feeling again to see those kids who had worked that hard to get to our program to that point. And I think still today, the kids, the players from that first team, still follow us. This twenty eight years later, when we win a game, we're getting we're getting notice uh, messages and and texts and things from players from all of those years. Uh, just kind of praising the kids who are on the team now, the players who are on the team, I should stop saying kids. How do you think you changed as a coach from the beginning to that point, you know, of having that kind of regional national success? Do you think you, you changed or did the, the program change at all? Uh, I don't know that I changed a lot. And, and thoughts and philosophies, because I think going into the game, it's about character uh, of, of players, of the team, of the program. So that has stayed in place. And we still I think we learned that you you had to go back and teach more skill sets as you got going to be that successful. You know, you couldn't just work the whole infield. You had to teach your first baseman more things. You had to teach your second baseman more things where I was just trying to teach them, you know, you have an infield, you have an outfield, let's have batting practice. You now had to really go build small parts to make the whole thing work well. Was there someone or something that kind of crystallized that for you? You know, in the early days, the, and you you talked about, you know, watching Barry Davis's baseball team, stuff like that. Was it just kind of a, as you went along, it was something you learned? Or was there a conversation or a moment where you really kind of realized this is this is the way we should do this? I think I was lucky enough for the college to send us out to a couple of the coaching clinics, you know, and we heard some of the, some of the great coaches doing it. Uh, Mike Candrea from, from Arizona, Sue Enquist, 
you're like a lot of these things are similar, even though they're in this big picture. We've got to model some of these things and use them even at our level. So I don't know that there was any point that changed it so much outside of hearing, taking all these folks information and really using what works best for us. So we talk about back-to-back national championships in 11 and 12. If I talk to you prior to that 2011 season, did you have a group that you kind of looked at? And I don't know that you can ever say we're going to win it all, but that you looked at and go, you know what? We are going to be a very difficult out. And if things go our way, you know, we could very well make quite a run at this. We're talking about 2011. That Yes. Yeah, yeah. So that 2011 team, I think I've told their our athletic director early on uh, that that was going to be a really good team, that if I stayed out of their way, they were going to be okay. Uh, and I had a gr- I had phenomenal staff then. Mark Enders was my assistant coach. Um, a lot of our players on that team had played with the Williamstown High School State Championship team, um, brought some players in from uh, with a young lady from Audubon who was just an amazing pitcher, who's a great story in herself. I think we saw all these parts that some of these kids have played together in travel ball, uh, probably six or seven of them. So they knew each other real well. Uh, Players knowing each other's personality helps on the field as much as knowing their arm strength or knowing their foot speed. Um, So I think that 2011 team, you could see they could really play defense. They were very fast uh, and they hated to lose. and, And that was valuable. Just as an aside, because you've kind of mentioned this, like, you know, these kids played together in high school, this catcher and pitcher. How much does bringing kids in from not just winning programs, but kids that have played together and have chemistry, it's always big. But how much bigger is it when you're dealing with the two-year window as opposed to a four-year window? Because a lot of that stuff just kind of takes time. There is nothing you can do a lot of times to accelerate that kind of chemistry. But when you can almost inherit it, uh, that's got to be huge for a two-year program. It absolutely is. We talked about that earlier that we don't have that four years ago. So those four or five that we had that came in that already know each other, and we had a couple other pairs like that that were together, make that portion easy. Now, if they if they blend very nice with the other group, your life is really, really well. Um this is this is one of the reasons we travel to Florida. Also, we travel to Florida in the spring to play. We raise a lot of money to go. Uh, we travel there to get the players to learn each other. You know, they've got to get up in the morning. They've got to eat breakfast together. They've got to handle laundry. They all these things that make them understand. There's a lot more to this. Each of them than uh, just a softball game. That builds our personality coming out of Florida in March. We kind of know what we're about and who we are, and all these girls know the other one. So I think that really helps. So having players that have played together is is super valuable. Time for a break on one-on-one. We will have more with RCSJ head softball coach Steve DePasquale right after this. And we are back on one-on-one. Our guest this week is Steve DePasquale, the head softball coach for Rowan College of South Jersey's Gloucester campus. So take me through that. 2011 uh, national championship. What's the what's the road like? I mean, we talked earlier. You you you're very familiar with the postseason by this point as a program. Uh, but what's that what's that run like to the top of the mountain? I think 
going through our season, I think we finished 49 and five um, that year and played some very, very tough competition. So knew it was going to be um, a good little, good little run. But as far as, as you get to the end, it tightens up and all the teams get better and better. Um, just, I just think they, their refusal to lose, to ever give up, to ever quit is what you saw building as you went along and just getting bigger and bigger and bigger, e- even down to our, our final game at the national championship that we win one to nothing against an amazing pitcher from um, Anne Arundel Community College. It was a simple little hit that young lady beat out one of one of the uh, Brianna Molino gets over to second base on a little ball that was bobbled. She was the fastest kid on her team at the time. The next kid comes up and says she understands her role. She sacrificed Bunter over knowing that she's not going to be the star that knocks the run in. The next kid comes up and doesn't have a, a home run or anything amazing. Just hits the long fly ball that we've been talking about all year. So they were all willing to do every little part that made the team successful, even if it didn't mean they were the individual star there. So when you come down to it, they all, all, all wear that national championship ring. And you, you, you mentioned, you know, that feeling being similar to 2007, the first tournament, you know, kind of take me through the emotions of the final out. And here we are. Well, I know we're on, we were on the field and uh, the, the ball was hit the deep left. The, the coolest part of it was standing back to watch it. I st- think I still have the picture. It came out in the uh, NJCAA magazine the next year with the girls all huddled in one pile all together. It, to have 15 players in that tight of a circle at the pitcher's mound and to stand back and watch it was amazing. And again, I had Coach Enders in the dugout with me uh, uh, to congratulate and celebrate a minute with. But I think the best was sitting back and watching it and knowing we brought that back to the college uh, finally for college softball. So to go back to back, I think a lot of times this there's nothing like a first championship, but a lot of times we go back to back. The second's almost more impressive because everybody knows who you are. Everybody wants to be the one to knock you off. Uh, where does, what's the, how does the second run differ from the first? The second one you go in is you are not, you are not the uh, underdog anymore. You're the person that they want pushed off that hill and and down. And you know, every time you go to play, somebody wants to beat you. If they beat you, we've talked about this. uh, We've had teams beat us. We said they just celebrated like they won the world series because they just beat a team who won the world series. Um, So it really does become a different challenge because everybody's going to bring their A game that day, even in even in game one or game two of a doubleheader. So you have to really, really prepare. Is it a tougher coaching job? The second year, absolutely. The second? Absolutely, because now the expectations are different. You know, you've been there, you know how to get there, and, oh, why aren't you winning all of these games? You know, I think we won, maybe, maybe won 44 that year. Uh, but we had a big nucleus from that 2011 team also. Is it as is the season as enjoyable? Because what I mean by that is you talk about the expectations and and all, and maybe some things are under the microscope that 
wouldn't be under normal circumstances and and stuff like that the pressure is it was it as enjoyable looking back or was it more of a a grind and a little kind of white knuckle now i i would say it's just as enjoyable and it's every year is enjoyable for me i wouldn't do this if it were a stress or or or, or that tough yeah do we do we as coaches look at everything analyze everything and uh, and take it in all internally but it's an amazing game and I get to work with amazing young people. So this is, this has just been a lot of fun. So there's, there's really no real stress to this. How you mentioned earlier who you're scheduling. Uh, does it get, once you win a couple of national titles, does the scheduling get harder? Do people not want to play you because you're so good or they only want you to come to their place, stuff like that? You know, does it get harder to piece together a schedule? We're still able to build a pretty big schedule. We have 60, but you will have folks that will avoid you a little bit. And then others who want to bring you in because they know, you know, uh, we got teams like Mercer and, and Delaware Tech. This weekend, week coming up, we're going to Hagerstown and Chesapeake to play some of the Division II schools who maybe in the past would would not have been on our schedule. Um, but they're doing very well and, and we're doing very well and it's good competition. You'd rather play at that level. So there, there are times where I'd like to get a few more games in that are even closer or teams that we can get to that eh, maybe don't want to play us too many times in a year. Cause sometimes we'll play teams home and away. What is your favorite part of what you do day to day? Wow. Favorite part. I've got to say just the players alone, seeing their success in life. Uh, I'm going to point one out specifically, uh, Mary Holden. Mary Holden is uh, the head coach at Cherokee High School, uh, softball coach. Has a program that's incredibly successful. I can remember going to recruit her. She was in our second class and she was with those Clearview kids. So they helped bring her in. Uh, But Mary was one when I went to recruit her. I remember them just kind of chuckling and saying, Wow, not sure how good she'll be in college. And yet she was a presidential um, medal winner for top student in our in her major, uh, great educator, amazing teacher and coach. And, you know, to see those kind of successes is, is probably what's the best about it. You mentioned early in our conversation, you teach at GCIT and you teach culinary arts. You're a chef, correct? Chef educator, yep. That's correct. So were food and sports equal loves growing up? Well, sports always was from young. Um, Food came in probably right around getting into high school. I'd moved up here from Florida. Um, I was with my dad, came up with mom, and mom was in the food business a little bit. And I was able to go over and see the uh, what was then Gloucester County Vocational Share Time program to see if that would fit me. I was at uh, Williamstown High School. I went over there. I guess as a sophomore to see the program and I loved it. I've never changed my path since I've been amazingly blessed. You know, I get to do the job that I love and then go next door and coach a sport that I love. Not a lot of folks get to do that. What do you love about cooking? What is it about it? What is it again uh, on the educational side, as far as cooking, uh, I think I just love experimenting with food, working with different products, uh, but it goes back to almost the same thing as softball. When I watch a, a freshman who I, I teach freshmen and juniors, when I teach a freshman who doesn't really know how to hold the knife, doesn't know how to combine ingredients, and now we're late in the year and uh, they're understanding they're, and they're getting it. And 
in the same note, I've got restaurants all across this area where my former students are the executive chefs uh, down at the Borgata, um, Telford Inn. There's there's a bunch of them. And how much is it? It's very interesting to have someone who has two different passions like this that you get to pursue kind of simultaneously and have success at. And each is kind of, in a way, a release from the other. And I don't say that in a bad way, like you need to get away, but they're kind of so different where, you know, you have a, you you teach the kids cooking and then, okay, now we, we go out on the field and you're doing something completely different, probably utilizing a lot of the same skill set as an educator, but different worlds. And I would imagine that really kind of helps keep everything fresh. Oh, it definitely, definitely keeps a balance. At the end of my teaching day, sometimes, uh, and the food business is crazy. Um, you get out there and say, wow, this is a great way to unwind. You know, we're now outside, we're hitting balls, we're throwing, we're uh, not in that hot environment anymore or that fast paced environment. You can slow things down. And then there's other days where I can't wait to get in there and, and do a little bit more work in the kitchen uh, with my students. Now, my players will always ask me, they asked me the funny question on the ride home, even the other day, yes, day before yesterday, playing. Coach, do you do most of the cooking at home? And I said, no, I spend most of my time with you. My wife does most of the cooking. Uh, I'll do the big events. She does all the other, just about everything else. Did you ever consider pursuing being a chef at a restaurant and going into that uh, full bore from from that standpoint, not from a teaching, but from a, because I know it is a tough it is a, a tough life, but did you ever consider it? I was, I was actually, I opened uh, the Brighton, which became the Sands in Atlantic City. So I did work down there. And then I opened Trump Plaza. Uh, I actually was on, the way I ended up in teaching and in this whole edge coaching thing is I was a chef in Atlantic City in one of the hotel casinos, but I was on the advisory team at the high school, the vocational school that I had attended at GCIT, which was then again, I said Gloucester County. And they were going to expand the program and ask, ask if I'd have an interest in applying for the position. I didn't know if I did. I would have an interest, but I applied after at least a year. You just knew this was the place I needed to be. I'm there now just finishing my 36th year. How tough was uh, working in those kitchens in Atlantic City? I mean, that's a, you're talking a lot of a lot of work. It, it, it was work. It was it was nonstop work. Yeah, I worked in one of the gourmet rooms and with the sands, I worked in what they call gourmage. So all the cold foods, ice carvings, those kind of things. It was uh, and Atlantic city was really still in a little bit of a boom at that point. So, you know, we had to park out on that expressway and take the bus in. So there, there was a, there was a lot of time, but it was, there was a lot of, a lot of pressure. Do you have a specialty when it comes to cooking a certain type of food that you, you feel you're the best at or you enjoy the most? Uh, I enjoy cold food, working with cold food more uh, than I do hot food. Not that I'm, I'm bad with hot food at all. And I guess over the years, I've got pretty solid at just about anything, whether it's pasta making. Uh, we just did sausage with my students. Um, but I really do enjoy the, the cold food aspect more. And you've had a quite a ride as a professional, I would say, you know, the coaching, the teaching, the, the, the cooking, did you change anything looking back? If you had the opportunity? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. No. I mean, from the coaching perspective, or it, let me go to the education first. 
I had great mentors as an early educator. Uh, there was a baker that I came into that was there, Charlie McBride, who I learned from him right away how to balance that food business with with education. And then as a as a coach, I got hired at Glassboro, and they sent me all over the place because I coached football and basketball there, and one year baseball. You know, I don't know if you're familiar with Bob Cleary, but Bob Cleary is probably the best coach, mentor, maybe human being that I've met along my along my path. But the Glassboro guys sent me to Duke to see Coach K, North Carolina to see Dean Smith. They sent the football guys out to, you know, um, Florida State, Notre Dame, Lou Holt. So I got to see a lot of great people and had an amazing mentor in, in Bob Cleary to get me to where I needed to be as a, as a coach. Steve DePisquale, thanks so much for the time. Thank you. And that will do it for this week's episode. Want to thank Steve DePisquale, the head softball coach at Rowan College of South Jersey's Gloucester campus for being our guest this week. If you like the show and you want to help us out, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and a review. Now, you can follow the show on Twitter at 101Pod. You can follow me on Twitter as well at MattLeon1060. Thanks so much for listening, and be sure to check us out again next week when we bring you another conversation with someone you should know more about.